Hello and welcome back to Over the Top Football. I'm joined as ever with John. John, how are you doing today? I'm all right, Robert. I'm all right. Uh, our title challenge continues, so I, I feel like I'm in a better mental position uh, with my football inside than, than you are at the minute. Wheels have fallen off since you won the title in October. How are things going? Still, is Anne starting to get a bit of pressure yet? Yes and no. I think all Tottenham fans appreciate the style of the play, appreciated that this season wasn't going to be easy. But I think in his own words and our feelings of the last five games, obviously, where we've got one point, there have been elements of that that haven't been good enough. Um, I mean, West Ham for 45 minutes yesterday, we relatively battered. Um, Again, if you're going... If you're looking at kind of those games as a sequence, then you kind of look at Man City, you probably lose. Um, yeah. Like, but Villa, you probably should have won. So I think we're doing more right than not right. I don't know if you've actually seen West Ham's goals from last night, but my God, are they just like scrappy, horrible. The first one in particular, they have a shot. It deflects off our defender. It deflects onto another defender. So then it goes yeah. to Bowen, who's then just in open space. Like it's... It's just okay. some of the worst. I thought the second one was worst with the really under under hit Yudogi back pass, which yeah, but... Cario had to come out and just it was just desperation. And the fact that Ward Price had two bites of the cherry for me showed that they weren't quick enough to follow up as well. Um, yeah, so but... I thought that was really poor goal all round. The the second one was like poor and more our own fault. Again, the fact that it manages to come off the post and directly back into his feet is just like, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, maybe to be fair, he then should have scored the first one. But like that one's a bit poor from our own perspective, but you can see where they get the luck in the chance overall. The first yeah. one is just like quite overall quite lucky but again you you make your own luck with these things I think we had 18 shots in the first half and managed to go up one nil in so um yeah that's our own fault you can't over those three games where we've got one point you've conceded two at home to Villa two at home to West Ham three away to Man City like how many points were you expecting if you're carrying on that bad habit yeah and I think the Madison and Van der Ven injuries have hit the squad so much. I think if you look round at the individual performances, Son's performances went downhill from Madison not being there. Basuma's as well has went downhill quite drastically from maybe Madison not being there and Van der Ven behind them. And Udogi hasn't been the same player without Van der Ven beside him as well. So it's such a big knock-on effect from two players, but arguably your two best players of this season who went out in the same game. Yeah, exactly. And I think just watching that it had elements of battle of the bridge and stuff um spurs arguably rode their luck a little bit beforehand just just is what it is um i guess it actually probably takes us to a good starting point which is how good are man united actually because i've they're on the same number of points as spurs we've spoken a little bit about kind of things going wrong at spurs there but i'd love to know what you think about manchester united and where they might finish yeah, points. If you looked at the table and you didn't watch any football this season, you'll think the United are doing okay. But it's for me, it's the style of play and the lack of style of play that United have under Ten Hag. I mean, we we both thought he was going to come in and play this, you know, fast football, high press, um, 
Gagan style, and it just hasn't been implemented. He hasn't formulated a real style of play this season specifically, and they've limped their way through games, which many would argue that you need to to be a top, top team, but they've done it so unimpressively and so boringly as well. The Newcastle performance at the weekend was, I think, the worst Manchester United performance I've ever seen. Um, Wow. It was only 1-0. They were still in the game in the 90th minute when they had a goal disallowed. But there was complete disillusion amongst the players that were there. It's fine for players to go through bad patches in terms of form, um, you know, lack of touches, luck as well. You know, you can go through all those things, but there was just a significant lack of effort across the Manchester United 11. Starting from Martial, massively going towards Rashford as well. Bruno, Bruno Fernandes, I get the flair that he brings and the magic moments that he can have, but his work rate is nowhere near enough to be Manchester United captain for me. Uh, but Rashford sort of epitomised the, the work ethic during that Newcastle United game, which was pathetic. Uh, but, but a significant improvement against Chelsea a few games later when they dropped a few of those big, bigger names. So I still think he has a lot to play for. I think from a positive side for United, there's so much football left to play and they can only get better in terms of performances. Results may get worse, but performances can only get better for me. Yeah, no, I agree. I think a little bit of sympathy, obviously Spurs are now seeing it. I I think a few teams are now seeing it this season is that um, it's, it's tough with how many games teams are playing. So Man United will instantly be a better team when Casemiro gets a bit more fitness and when Martinez at the back is able to actually play some more games. So um, yeah, I definitely I think Martinez is a massive miss. Yeah. Even if and... you think about Onana, he's a ball playing goalkeeper. And anytime anyone who watches United or watches them from now on, when he gets the ball, no one makes angles. Fullbacks don't make an angle, centre halves don't make an angle. So you brought him in to be a ball playing goalkeeper and he, you don't give him the option to do that. Yeah, no, I agree. I think there's some dysfunction. Obviously, there's been loads of Man United fan channels this last week, this last period, kind of being like, oh, look at all the old guard. They're complaining against the manager again. We've seen this. There's still a lot of Mourinho's squad there. They're really bad at selling and turning over players, Man United. So they're trying a new style and haven't necessarily given the manager the resources to do that. Ten Hag is not blameless for that. You can't go spend 80 million on Anthony when you needed arguably three players. So. Yeah, there's been been some poor buys, some buys like a Casemiro, for example, who played the most minutes he's ever played last year, by the way. So some of his fitness struggles or lethargic nature this year is just down to the fact that he's played way, way more football. But yeah, I think to sum up why Tottenham haven't had loads of shit and Man United have is Man United squads a lot more expensive and they've really been grinding out some results that XG or whatever statistic you want hasn't really got them there. And Tottenham play a bit of kamikaze stuff, which they're just on a down period with that at the minute. Like at least at least our faith and whatever, I don't think has actually um, gone to the wall. I think the second that we lose results and the players clearly still don't believe in the system. I think then we're really, really in trouble. But yeah, with Man United, it seems like even though objectively they've been better over the last month, some of the faith has started to fade. Yeah. Yeah, mate. I think you see it with Spurs anytime you watched it, especially from pre-season onwards. There is a style of play that he, that he has implemented quickly there. 
that's the problem I think with United and my biggest problem with it. There's no style of play. It's sort of finding ways through the game, which you would expect here and there from time to time, you know, like the way we've seen with Liverpool or Arsenal this season, but not every single game, which is what has been the case over the last few months. Um, And there needs to be a significant improvement from United. I think we saw some of that against Chelsea, but I think, you know, Liverpool next week away from home is a massive game that will prove where Ten Hag United is really at. And that'll happen around the same time that the Radcliffe 25% deal is supposedly going to be done as well. So he'll have his pressure on him with new owners coming on board. He'll be taking over footballing powers. And will they decide that he's the right man to take him forward? I think they will. Um, but he needs to be given time. But, but he, he needs a director of football alongside him. There's a lot of work to do at United. It's just how do you start to implement that? Yeah, I think they've got to look. And Man United's recruitment, I've always said this, if you're a somewhat steady squad, sign three to five players and United have, yeah, done that, not quite done that in um, in seasons gone by. I think it's more than clear in the summer in particular, because I think look, Ten Hag realistically has to try and go gets up for if they don't with the squad that they have, some of the fees that they pay. Like he deserves a bit of the chopping block, but maybe you can deal with having one bad season as Man United, but you'll need a huge turnover in the summer. There are a few players like Anthony Martial, who's out of contract this summer, who allows you to actually just move on and discover a new way. Maybe it's bringing in another youth teamer up front. Maybe it's going out and getting like a solid backup or solid option. So I think the summer will be where a lot of their problems get fixed. Um, but yeah, they've they've had kind of a few depth issues, a few style of play issues. I th- I still think ever since Man United didn't get Tony Kroos, who he was basically good to go, I think, with David Moyes in 2014, like that player, that signing could have made such a difference to how they play because you've got someone who then wants to be on the ball and can make things happen. And I still think Man United need that player deeper because Bruno Fernandes provides a bit of that, but that's in an attacking third and, you know, the downside with him is that he loses the ball a lot. Like he takes some risks. He's good with his output and his golden assist numbers, but he doesn't give you control. Whereas if United can get that CDM controller, I think you can see the level of a lot of the rest of these squad raised. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's easier said than done. And that's what United have been doing for years is signing big name players and throwing them in to try to get them to fit somewhere. And it just hasn't worked out the majority of the time. I, th- I thought Casemiro had a decent season last year. Obviously, he was possibly mismanaged, which has led on to fitness issues this season. Varane looks like he's completely out of Ten Hag's plans now and, and is supposedly on the transfer market um, in the transfer sort of listed. It's just whether signing another big name. The issue for me is they've no strategy and they haven't had a strategy since Fergie left in regards to, you know, signing younger players and then nurturing them through with some, you know, more senior expert players in their positions. It's just a bit of a mess. And it feels like they're more at the stage where Arsenal were four years ago when they needed someone like Edu to come in and have a strategy alongside a manager rather than the two of them working separately um, or, you know, one of them not having that other one to work with at all. It just feels like there's a lot of work. But I think, I still think Ten Hag is probably the right man to take them forward. Um, but he needs time 
he needs a strategy and he needs the new owners in as, as quick as possible, probably. Yeah, I agree with all of that. I think the, the Fergie grafter is something that's kind of missing from their squad. Like the, the standard setters, the Fletchers, the Jisung Parks almost, the players who are never going to get the headlines per se, but work so well for the team. I think there's, there's yeah, there's just not enough of those in the squad. Like McTominay, if you can even argue that he is that. Like, I mean, at the minute, he's Man United's star man. So, um, but yeah, they're lacking... A few of those lacking maybe a bit of invention and craft and definitely lacking some um, some squad depth, which is also isn't a one-window issue because, like, what fees are you going to get for Sancho, for an Anthony, all of these kind of players? Like, you're not necessarily actually going to get good amounts of money for them. So I do, I do agree with that comparison with the Eddie thing. Yeah. I mean, it's a squad depth thing. You're probably, they have squad players that they need to get rid of as well. The likes of you know Christian Eriksen probably isn't it moving forward for the longer term. Um, you've mentioned McCommony was one that was close to being out the door and now he's their top goal scorer. So yeah, there's there's a lot of work to do, but I think we both agree that Ten Hag will remain in his role, which isn't something that we can say for Paul Heckenbottom. And it's the first managerial sacking that we've seen in the Premier League this season. Great transition. You're doing my job for me. Yes. First sacking. Do you know what? I feel sorry for him. I think he is a perfectly fine coach. Obviously, he's never really done it in the Premier League, which, yeah, doesn't help. Is Chris Wilder an upgrade? Don't know. At least they're trying something different. But yeah, with regards to Heckenbottom, I think everyone who knows football put United, Sheffield United as a team who are likely going down this year. So look, that's that's where they are. However, I think you can when your performances go like below what is expected of you as well. So 8-0 against Newcastle United, obviously the 5-0 against Burnley. Yeah, I think the the writing's on the wall there because yeah, everyone can see that you're a piece of meat ready to get slapped about. So it's unfortunate from my eyes, but I could kind of see it coming. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if they had a plan, that it would have been done during the last set of internationals. It was the 5-0 against Burnley that, you know, really nailed, put the nail in his coffin. The Chris Wilder one, it's something new I, I would disagree with. I think it's sort of a desperation plea that, you know, maybe that's someone who knows some of the players that are there and, and can get a tune out of some of the players and bring in a system that he implemented that got them up to, you know, sixth or seventh a few seasons ago. Definitely not a long-term replacement. I think they are destined to go down. Um, what they're doing here for me is is somewhat a desperation cry. But I think it will absolutely kickstart the merry-go-round. And, and we talked about the 5-0 defeat against Burnley being what ended Heckenbottom's reign. Another 5-0 defeat, this time Fulham against Nottingham Forest. I think that that'll be the next manager that goes. And I wouldn't be shocked if it's after this weekend. Yeah, I mean, on your point of it's a desperation cry, like, yeah, they're desperate. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised uh, that being in the Premier League is worth so much money. It is worth trying something if something clearly isn't working. Yeah, with the Forest one, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, somebody picked up the Nottingham Forest chairman's um, lanyard because apparently he stormed out of that game. I didn't actually, I, did I didn't see it live, but I'm not surprised. You can't, again, 
so much of things are if results aren't going for you you've got to look like the performances are there or like go get a goal or just don't go get battered and getting battered by Fulham having Raul Jimenez was it Raul Jimenez and Adama Traore both got two or something like that um I mean once you start gifting players who can't buy a goal goals then you know something's not quite working there yeah. the only thing I'd say for Steve Cooper is he looked in dodgy circumstances last year and they stuck with him and they got better so I would personally allow him a bit more time to try and get things right I think I think he's had his nine lives I think he, after this weekend if they don't beat I think it's Wolves this weekend I think he's gone and they're away at Wolves and they're awful away from home um, I wouldn't be shocked to see him gone after this weekend I don't think their relegation threatened because the high week for the teams in the division are this season but I wouldn't be shocked to see them make that that change what I would say for the Fulham one and, and we've sort of thrown a bit of shade about him and his before I was at the Liverpool Fulham game last weekend and I was sort of saying after the game the job that Raul Jimenez did on Van, Virgil van Dijk early and physically was probably one of the best I've seen from a striker against Virgil van Dijk in, in many years I thought he really coped well against him he held up his own he was trying to bring the players around him into play and I was impressed with a number of their players um, William looked decent when he came on Robinson was excellent at left back like, absolutely outstanding so I'm not shocked to see them beat Forrest I was shocked to see 5-0 probably didn't expect that amount but I'm pleased to see Jimenez get a few goals um, back on the score sheet um, hopefully we can see him back to the player that he was at Wolves but I, I was actually surprisingly impressed by him at the weekend whenever we played them and beat them 4-3 with those four stunners. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What a game. I did finally see those goals. And yeah, all the all the goals in the game are very good. Um, I do... Yeah, on the Raul Jimenez thing, like, look, we wish him well. Obviously, everybody knows what happened. He is getting a bit older now. So I think a bit of a change of scenery out of that old Wolves team probably did him well. And yeah, hopefully he can go on to get a few more. I put Fulham as a team to go down this year. Fulham are good and fine. Forest, things might look a little bit worse than they are right now. But it actually raises a good point, um, John, which is you've mentioned kind of the bottom four or however many you want to put that bracket in. Um, we mentioned United kind of struggling a bit this year. Obviously, Chelsea have. Spurs now, various different teams have. Is the middle of the league more competitive than you can remember? Yeah, I think it's competitive in the fact that we don't know who's going to finish where. I think you, you'll look at, I think the bottom four is nailed on as you know, Luton, Sheffield United, in whatever order you want to put them in, Burnley and then Bournemouth, uh, even though Bournemouth are starting to get a few results, which is good to see. Everton have clawed, the, clawed their way back. I think they'll be absolutely fine after that 3-0 thrashing of, of Newcastle last night but the middle of the table it's so hard to predict who's going to finish where you know could Chelsea finish bottom half again this season they definitely definitely could um, Crystal Palace are always normally around 11th for us we, I think they'll get a, they'll have a new manager within the next week or two um, so it, it's really difficult to decide who's going to finish from 15th potentially up to 8th it could be absolutely anyone and I think that, that adds a bit of extra competitiveness. There's been no real, with those teams that I've mentioned, it's always been tight games with the bigger teams as well. There isn't as many 4-0, 5-0s as we've seen in recent seasons. 
really it has been much much more competitive in regards to the performances that have had to be put in by Arsenal that we've looked and seen over the last few weeks um, Liverpool and City as well it's not as straightforward as it was a few years ago and that's sort of showing the quality that, that we do have middle of the table I think actually Giorgio Cialini came out during the week and said that West Ham are as good as you know the top team in Italy and I think that just shows the quality that there is in the Premier League and there is mid-table in the Premier League not even just at the top level yeah I saw that quote a little odd although can we be all that surprised really like West Ham probably for a good number of years now have had a way bigger better budget than the best teams in Italy so yeah I think um, I'm not overly surprised with some of that as well I think his point was more relating to the fact that um, West Ham have a few physical monsters whereas yeah in the Italy league someone like Ruben Loftus-Cheek looks like an absolute physical beast compared to some of the slower legs in the Italian league. So I think there there was kind of two direct points with that piece. But yeah, it'd be nice to not see a 100-point season from whoever goes on to win the Premier League this year. Hopefully, we can kind of get back to that point of 85 to 90 points. Yeah, 100%. And I think we both hope that it will not be Arsenal. But they they seem to be winning the games that they would normally draw in recent seasons and they're starting to worry me a little bit but I do think that by the end of December we will know if Arsenal are real challengers or not I think there's contenders three at the top of the table at the minute are all contenders for me I think coming into the new year we'll really see who are actual challengers because I think Arsenal have Liverpool on the 23rd I believe they play Villa this month as well so there's a number of really tough fixtures in Villa have shown in recent weeks that they're they're not going to roll over and, and they should be seen as potential challengers as well. I don't think they are, but it'd be interesting to see if they could pip four spot, for example. I would absolutely love it if Villa ended up going on to win the title. Um, probably a good a good transition to move on to them, actually. Just how impressive they've been. What have you been liking about... Um, some of their play, some of their results. Obviously, they've beaten Spurs and Manchester City in recent weeks. Yeah, close to everything. You can you can you can look at mostly everything that Unai Emery's done since he come in, and you, and you have to acknowledge and appreciate and like it. He's made really strange calls at strange times, but they've always paid off. It just shows how tactically astute he is. They're going off after beating City midweek. That's fourteen Premier League home game wins in a row, which has went under the radar massively. That's a significant. Um, run to be on and the, the decisions that he's made in recent weeks for example he's taken Matty Cash out at right back he's put in Conza at right back and brought in Diego Carlos in the middle and that's worked perfectly um, even the start of the season whenever Moreno came back from injury we thought he'd be thrown straight back in but Lucas Dini has been exceptional at left back randomly out of absolutely nowhere Musa Diaby has missed the last few games he's been on the bench and he's brought in Leon Bailey in the last two games who was absolutely sensational against City midweek and got that winner in the end so he's making really strange decisions but they're all paying off and he looks like he's implemented a real squad strategy there and he's got a really really strong squad that's went under the radar quite significantly but he's bringing the you know Paul Torres is very much embedded in that team now he settled in relatively quickly after a few howlers in the first few games um, Martinez looked looks back on track after a few mistakes in recent weeks I, I don't know I, they keep going I think Villa have the third best manager in the Premier League but 
he just continues to impress and those players that he has continue to impress as well. And it's mental to think that Ollie Watkins didn't get a call up for England earlier in the season instead of Eddie and Kentia. Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of good points there. Yeah, I think Watkins is sensational. I think the Diaby thing, like, good. I mean, look, make the players want it. And Villa have a few different kind of weapons, if you like. It's frightening that you could easily bring um, Musa Diaby back, him be hungry, ready against uh, Christmas-tired defenders. Um, and he's probably going to absolutely ragdoll a few when he's kind of back on the... Um, yeah, back in the starting lineup and ready to go. So, yeah, they, they've been super impressive. Obviously, you don't want to talk them up too much as title challengers. It's still super early in the season um, and the Europa League might come back to bite them a little bit. But yeah, they've, they've been building a good squad for a while. Um, if they can do some stuff in January as well, I think they're a real, they're a real threat. Um, yeah, obviously, we kind of touched on Arsenal with that as well. Some of their results have been worryingly good um, to view as a Tottenham fan. But one point I thought was really interesting is, is Declan Rice now Arsenal's best player? Yes. yes. I, I think undoubtedly he is. You can look at the rest of the squad. Saka would probably be a clo- very, very close second. Or, or Saliba. I mean, they have a number. Of, I think what they've, they've, they've built a really, really, really impressive squad. And... Um, the likes of Saliba having went on loan for a few years and getting some question marks with Arteta. He's come back and many would say he's the best centre-half in the league. Um, I would say he, he isn't at Virgil van Dijk level yet, but I think he's exceptional. Exceptional. Saka is world-class. Declan Rice is probably the second-best player in his position in, in world football. I, they've just got an excellent, excellent, excellent team and I'd be worried if they were to go and sign a 25-goal striker in January. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously it was a difficult one for them to manage this summer because Balogun went out the door and it was kind of like, oh, Enketia, Jesus. There's there's something to be done there. I don't know how much money Arsenal will necessarily have, but if you look at someone like Jurassi, who's had a brilliant start to the season, who has a release clause of 17.5 million, is he worth gambling on because he can get you five Prem goals from January to the summer to win you the league maybe I don't know if he's necessarily good enough to be their long-term thing but what are they looking for are they looking for a short-term fix and some success or are they looking for um the absolute right longer-term thing I think Edu's probably proven that it's the latter so far anyway but um yeah you're you're not going to get a better opportunity than this because yeah I was just going to say Man City are looking awful they're not looking great. I wouldn't say awful. They're not looking great. They look a completely different team with Rodri not in it. Um, but going back to the Arsenal point, I think the only thing they can do this January, because this is their opportunity to do it, is to sign someone short-term for short-term vision and for short-term strategy to get those goals. It would go against what they've done in recent seasons, but there's been a lot of talk of Ivan Tony, you know, you just don't know what you're signing. Is he fit? Is he match ready? You don't want to have to wait till April to get him in a position where he's scoring goals. You want something who you want someone who's ready to go, who's ready to score goals and and drive you towards the the title. Because City have weaknesses this season. They've shown at the back there's a lot of inconsistency. There's too many players who walked out the door and didn't get replaced. 
properly. We spoke in, in the summer. I sort of said I was never happy with the Kovacic signing to replace Gundogan. That just didn't match up. And you were, you know, minus 30 million at, at the end of it all. Rico Lewis is not it for me either. I think he's a decent player, but I don't think he's as good as they want them or need him to be right now. Even Gavard, I, I, I'm a big fan of Gavardio, but Nathan Ake should be in their starting 11 every single week. He was one of the best players this season, and they've shoehorned in Gavardio to get him into the squad. Diaz isn't performing as he's expected to be. Ederson's making a few mistakes from a shot-stopping perspective. Um, I think they miss Gundogan, Mares, those senior players who always put in a 8 out of 10 performance whenever they were called upon. And they just don't have that right now with some of the players that they have in the squad. Yeah. Also, can I say reasons to listen to over the top football? So before the um, Man City Spurs game, we were talking like, can Tottenham score? This is uh, me and Coffee. And I said, if Son gets a chance, he's really good against Edison because shot part of the reason Son has such a high conversion rate is because he's got a surprisingly powerful shot. He actually was carrying a niggle for a lot of last year, which is why you saw him frustrated and like shoot under his XG because when he was shooting from the edge of the box and things like that, he wasn't generating the power. He Mm -hmm. has that back this year. So lo and behold, what, six minutes into the game, Song Yung-min has a shot close to the keeper. Edison has a weakness when it's close to him. He tends to let it through him. And there's been at least three goals against Hyungmin Son like that. And yeah, six minutes into the game, Edison mistake, shot that's a bit closer to him. He kind of overdives and lets it through him. Um, so yeah, I thought that was uh, a bit of analysis I hadn't really seen elsewhere. And yeah. Son is the perfect exponent of that weakness in Edison's game. Yeah. And it's a, it's a really good point. I think the majority of keepers in the league save that shot. But yeah, I agree. Ederson, for whatever reason, um, and, and we saw it with Ross Barkley's goal against Raya as well, similar enough in regards to not getting down quick enough and not maybe sort of in the, in the middle of could he go with his feet or does he go with his hands? And the fact he goes with his hands, he overdives and overcompensates. And it probably in recent seasons, if you think of the goalkeeper who saves those 100 times out of 100. It used to be David De Gea, and it was every single time it was with his feet. But we've seen a few mistakes from Ederson. We've seen a few mistakes from um, from Raya as well. And, you know, we have the best goalkeeper in world football. So I say, I think we'll probably just win the league. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That's that's actually how it works as well. Um, because <laughs> he's, he's barely been conceding, actually. That Fulham game, um, yeah, it was really close. Shows how, how little football you watch to not know that Allison is injured and Quiven Kelleher was our goalkeeper for the Fulham game. That's that's quite embarrassing. Yeah, but, but the the point still stands that Fulham had three shots, good goals. I'm not sure Allison necessarily concede. Uh, necessarily concedes. Allison saves at least two of those goals. Allison hmm. would have saved Harry Wilson's goal, and he definitely would have saved, saved Kenny Tete's goal. Um, that was relatively poor by Kelleher but what can you expect when you're throwing in a second choice keeper who hasn't played a lot of football in the last sort of 12 months but I'm just saying you know Allison's best in the world Virgil's best in the world so we'll probably just win the league yeah um, I mean look Liverpool are right up there um, their stuff has been nice this year my concern is that yeah it's the lack of clean sheets 
Um, clean sheets probably more than anything win you titles because you can't always expect your attack to be fluid and work. Um, and yeah, Liverpool just haven't quite, for whatever reason, been able to do it. It'd be interesting to see as the year turns who can start to turn it on because that's normally Manchester City time. But they've the one thing that concerns me this year about Man City, and I'm not going to say they won't get top four, but like, I mean, they are literally are fourth and really in free fall this year um, is normally they have a bit of a shaky start to the season and it's this type of time that they really start to turn it on. Um, whereas, um, yeah, I mean, at the minute, they're, they're in free fall. I believe you just said City won't finish top four. That's, that's nuts. I, weirdly, though... I, I, can't, can, I can't believe you said that. I, I can see it happening in that um, <laughs> it's... It depends how tight it is. It depends who else falls away. But obviously, Villa, Arsenal and Liverpool are above them. I could easily see a situation where City finish below Arsenal and Liverpool because what Man City do do, and it's why they've been able to set such, such high standards, is they really, really go for things. So like that season when Liverpool won the league, Man City ended up loads of points behind them. And it's because they were so going out for the win all the time because they knew only three points would be good enough. Man City will do that. Man City would almost rather finish fourth having got a 50% chance at winning the title than they would finish second with a 80, uh, well, with a 30% chance of winning the title. We'll see. We'll see. I think De Bruyne coming back is going to be massive for them. They've missed Gundogan. They've missed the likes of Amares, I keep saying Amares because I just think he was such a good performer for them anytime he was in there. And his predecessor was Cole Palmer. And all of a sudden he forces a move out the door. And they're left sort of looking at each other, not really knowing what to do. Because that move was quite late in the window. And I think it's made a massive impact actually on City this season. But I don't know. I, I'm. I They will obviously finish top four. They will regain momentum second half of the season. But... They've got a few massive games. So obviously they have Luton this weekend that you would expect to expect an easy win for them and a bounce back win. But we've seen poor performances against some of the mid-table teams we've spoken about. And previous seasons, they'd have found a way to win. And they'd have found normally a way to win and then turn that win into a convincing win later on in the game. And they haven't been doing that this season, which is probably what could be worrying City fans and what, Outsiders were seeing as a, a drop of form or, or a lack of complete or sort of complacency amongst that team. We called it earlier on in the season where we sort of said Bernardo Silva nearly forced to move, Kyle Walker normally uh, nearly forced to move. You know, is that hunger still there? I think that is lacking, and it's clear to see that it's not there as much as it used to be. And I think that's why Pep is biting at some of the pundits that have called that out as well. But I do, you, you can't. I still think they're favourites for the title. I, they've they've been there. They've done it. They've won twenty in a row, no problem. And I wouldn't put it past them to do it again, second half of the season. Yeah, fair enough. I think some of that might just be your fear of it happening before. I think you've not got end of season Gundogan this year. A few of their weapons are starting to wane. Um, but we'll do a proper podcast on it. It's been one I've been wanting to do in a while for a while. Is where do Man City go in twenty twenty five? Because you have. Um, yeah, Guardiola likely out of contract. What do you do with someone like De Bruyne at that point? Um, so yeah, that'd be interesting. Anything you're looking forward to over the next week or so with footy? 
Um, looking forward to. It's just nice that there's no international breaks coming up, and um, we have a. a I, I love the Christmas period in regards to Premier League football. First time ever we'll see a Christmas Eve game as well, which will be interesting to watch. The Liverpool United game always terrifies me. I hate it. It's it's never an enjoyable experience, and I'll be watching that from behind the sofa. But yeah, I'm looking forward to just getting back in the swing of things. Europa League finalization, Champions League finalization, getting those group stages finalized and finished with, and getting into the really competitive half of the season in from January onwards. Nice. Um, yeah, I mean, from my side, again, really enjoy the Christmas period with footy. I enjoy it when you watch a match with a bit of snow and you get an orange ball come out. That is like just, it feels prime Barclays Premier League era that. So I would like to see a bit of that. Yeah, the Christmas Eve thing will be interesting as well. And just, I think obviously this season, there's been loads of injuries um, obviously, there's more time added on to the games as well. It'll be interesting yeah. to see how that's managed when, and I know this is going to super bro science here, but the nights are getting colder. It's going to put more pressure on athletes not to pull, not to tweak something. So this little period now can have really, really season-defining impact. Yeah, well, I think what we haven't seen previously, you know, with the massive congestion of fixtures over Christmas we haven't seen those extra 10 minutes at the end of games or during the game that isn't normally there what impact will that make for players preparation having two games in three days um, but I don't really care because it's all about Boxing Day football and this year it's all on Amazon Prime so oh, I'm just yes, looking forward boys. to getting Christmas Day over with and having a full day Boxing Day from 12.30 until 10.30 at night where I'm sitting with four boxes of celebrations doing nothing but watching TV and eating that's what it's all about when Mariah Carey sang All I Want for Christmas is You, she meant a full day boxing day schedule of football and four tubs of celebrations. So with with Ali McCoy on, on commentary. Oh good yes. way to wrap things up. Oh fantastic. Yeah. Well, it's not getting better than that. So we have been over the top football. Thank you as ever, John. Thank you, Robert. And we'll catch you next time for some more football chat and insight. Excellent. Ciao soon.